The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. My dear Christian friends, I had the chance recently to spend some time with a friend who is going to be leaving New York for for a while. I don't think he's going to be coming back to New York for a while. And what he did, he said, Vicar, do you have some time? I I wish you had some time. I, I want to show you something. I said, I got some time. So what he did is he, he, we got into his car, and we went to where he grew up. He wanted to show me around where he was from, where he was from in New York. So I got to see where he went to school. I got to see where he, where he grew up, his house. I got to see where he got into a bunch of trouble with his friends. I got to eat at his favorite pizza spot. I got to spend a really good afternoon with this person who I didn't know if I was going to be able to see again. While we were coming back to, uh, to my house where we met up, he suddenly pulled into a cemetery that was along the way. He pulled up next to a couple of graves. So he said, Vicar, I, I want to show you something. So we got out and we looked at these gravestones, and they had the names of some of his family members that were there. We spent some time, looked at some of the gravestones, a couple of more, and then we got back into our cars and headed back towards my house. It took a couple of minutes for us to start talking again, but when he finally broke the ice to start the conversation again, he said, Vicar, it really makes you think, doesn't it? About what? Death. Gravestones don't say something, but they really do say something, don't they? A dead body can really preach a pretty powerful sermon if we would just let the silence sit for a little bit. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about death or what you'd say to, around someone experiencing death or grief or pain? What I want to do today for you is I want to show you from the text that we just read some words that you can take to the grave. And they come from Martha and they come from Jesus. And you're going to find that they aren't, gonna, they aren't radical, they aren't crazy. They're ones that you probably already know. But these are the words that you can take to the grave that mean everything to someone who needs them the most. And the first one comes from Martha. And you, you already know Martha pretty well. You remember her from the story of Mary and Martha. When she was trying to get her house all organized and because Jesus, the Savior of the world, was coming over. So she had to fix up the supper. She had to get the house ready. She had to get everything ready. And then her sister Mary is just sitting there. And then she gets a little bit just a little bit ticked and says, hey, do you think you could help me out here, Mary? And then Jesus, gentle scolding, and says, Martha, what Mary is doing is all right. And now Martha has a reputation forever as being the object lesson or the perfect example of someone who's impatient and doesn't have their heart set on the right place. Now Martha's a little bit older. Now Martha's a little bit wiser, and there's another adversity that has come to her house, her brother Lazarus is dead. And he's been dead for a while. And they can start to smell him. And they can see that the body has been decomposing. He's motionless. And the special smells of those accent notes of death are right there in the house. And from the text, you can see that Lazarus was a pretty important guy. There were plenty of Jews who were coming over from Jerusalem to see him and trying to give comfort to Mary and Martha. Was she hearing what she needed to hear? 
I had a chance to attend a visitation and a funeral recently where the preacher came about three minutes right before the funeral started. He opened up the service by saying the wrong name of the person we were there at the funeral for, and he beat a steady drum of he is gone and it's time to move on. It was Cicero, the philosopher, that said that the life of the dead are placed in the memory of the living. I don't know about you, but that is less than comforting. And if anything, that's pretty brittle, and that's a pretty fragile encouragement to give. But that's about the only encouragement you can find when you view life as something that ends when someone closes their eyes for the final time. Christianity offers some of the answers to the questions that every single person asks in their life. A dead body offers up a more powerful sermon than maybe I could put words to or even pastor. And a dead body is something that not even someone who's trying to fly to get to fly through the 42nd Street Times Square station to get to the other side to their other train. It's not something they can simply put your headphones in, look down, and hope that you can possibly ignore. It's something that's powerful and gives you a powerful image. What questions did Martha have at this moment in her life? And, she, and our text said she tried to get some answers. She sent a personal message with a personal messenger to her friend Jesus. And it wasn't like she was just taking a shot in the dark that I heard this miracle worker's out there. Maybe I can get involved with him. No, she knew him. Jesus knew where Martha lived. She knew her family. She knew, Jesus knew her brother Lazarus, a dear friend. So you can understand the questions that she was asking. Lord, if you had been here, I know for certain he wouldn't have died. Lord, we, we know you, and you, you know who we are, so why, why didn't you come sooner? Why weren't you there for us? Lord, why did you let him die? if he was your friend, if he was someone that you cared about. Lord, don't you know how much this person in my life meant to me? Lord, don't you know how much my family means to me? Don't you know how much this brother, this friend of mine, this, this brother, this family member means to me? Lord, don't you know how hard my life is going to be now, now that my brother is gone? Lord, I know you and you know me, and I've heard the things that you've done for others why didn't you do that for me? Does Jesus care about our grieving? Anyone who's wept at the graveside of a family member or been to a funeral of a friend or a family member can feel the weight and the pain that are in the words that Martha is speaking. But here's the rub. Sadness is going to happen. Grief is going to happen. Pain is going to happen. Loss will happen. The prayer that you put at the top of your prayer list that you've been praying for for months at a time might go unanswered. And sometimes you're going to just have to look around at the life around you, see, see the person who's suffering over here, see the different injustice that's going on over here, and sometimes you're just going to have to lift up your hands and say, this life is absolutely awful. There's going to be things and emotions that weigh you down and create a pit in your stomach and you're just going to want to sit and you're going to want to sulk and you're going to want to just live in this sadness and you're just going to want to say, hopefully this all 
goes away. Martha had all of these emotions pitted up inside of her too, but do you notice what Martha did? She didn't stay there. No, what she did is she, she got up. She brought along her grief. She brought along her pain. She brought along this pit inside of her stomach along with her, and she went to where some answers would be found. She went to where the life was. She left the situation that was bringing her down in all of this sadness, and she went to find an answer from where the life actually is. And she brought her first word to the grave. Yes, Lord, I know. I believe. But I am shattered anyways, Lord. But I know who you are. I believe in what you can do. And I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. That's the first word that you can bring to the dead, to the grave. The ones that give us a trump card over all of the effects of death that are supposed to haunt us. The first words that you can bring to the grave are the ones that are real, that speak truth, and they give hope. These are the words that Christians from around the world and for thousands of years have brought to the sides of hospital rooms. They brought it to people who have been aching in hearts, who have hearts that are heavy. The first words that you can bring and take to the grave are these, Yes, Lord, I believe that you give life over death. And do you see who Martha said these words to? It was Jesus. Jesus came to Martha. Jesus showed up. Jesus came to an area that said that they were going to make threats on his life and threats to his safety and to the threats of the safety of the disciples. But what Jesus did is he showed up. He dropped what he was doing, and he came into a town and a region that had made threats against them. We're seeing how Jesus counsels a grieving woman here. And he said the words that Martha needed to hear right to her face, right in her muck, right in her darkness and her sadness. What Jesus offered was a friend who could be there for Martha emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Now Martha could get real answers to the real-life questions that she had from Jesus. And in fact, Jesus has a whole better solution altogether. What Jesus did is he took the root of this problem away completely. Jesus saw the source of this sadness, this grief, this loss and sin when he defeated it for us on the cross. He ripped out this sin and he went for the core of the issue and ripped it out so that now we are justified, just as if we hadn't sinned when he vanquished the sin on the cross for us. And he makes death so irrelevant for us that he reverses it. And Jesus hands for us the second word that you can take to the grave. As he ministered to this grieving woman right to her face, right in her muck, right in her sadness. Your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will not die. Because I have won this eternal rest for you. 
Did you see how easy this was for Jesus? The people at Lazarus' grave saw, they smelled, they stood by a dead person for four days. This guy was not coming back to them, and there was no hope that he was going to be coming back to them. But Jesus lifted them up like it was nothing with a simple shout and a simple command. And I'm certain that this was so easy for Jesus that he probably could have done it earlier. I'm so certain that Jesus, the power of Jesus' words was so powerful that if he hadn't have said that, this, that Lazarus should come out, the whole entire bodies and those people in that cemetery would have come out along with him. This was so easy and so powerful from Jesus, I'm certain that he could have done it earlier. This is part of God's greater plan and greater purpose for our lives, and those with power know how to use it. And God's greater lesson to teach for the people around Lazarus and this, around Lazarus' tomb and for us today is that Jesus has this ability, has this power to raise the dead and give eternal life. And as Lazarus was laying there motionless, he was giving glory to God. Now, from my standpoint, I see three very clear ways that you can take these words out of you into this church and into your life. Maybe you can see a couple more, and I hope you do. But here are three ways that I see very clear that, that you can take these words to the grave. The first one is this. You can take this to the next grieving session that you go to. You can take this next to a friend who's going through something in their life. You can't really cry unless you love someone or felt something about someone. And then we see in this situation a very clear example of how Jesus counseled and was there for a person who was going through something, the loss of a family member. Are there ways that we could look at this story and bring them into our lives as well? Now you are packed with a word that is actually something that is useful and that they want to hear whenever they are grieving or whenever they've experienced loss. So the first one is a grieving session. The next one is this. You can take these words to the grave. You can take these words when you are lying face up in a hospital room at your next surgery or the next time that you feel like you've got a difficult situation going on. I don't exactly know how God is going to use you and plant you in this world, but I'm excited to see where you guys go. But Lazarus gave glory to God just by lying there motionless, not doing anything when he was sick and dying. When you live these words of Christ, you give glory to God. And you can take these words along with you when, there's a mo when you're at the moment right before your death. Because these words are life-changing. They are life-charging. And they are life-giving third one is this. I think sometimes as Christians, we can accidentally reduce our faith into just into certain moments, whether it's like death or end of life situations or only when there's big things that are happening in our life. We can reduce our faith to only be something we pull out of our pockets right when I need it at the right exact time. But I think that this is something that you can take right now. And I think it's like this. You can take these words to the grave and you can charge forward into your life because you have such a firm conviction about what is going to happen for you. You have such a firm conviction that you've heard today that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in me will, not, will live 
on past physical death. And you can live these words and say, I can live in a way that is completely countercultural to what I hear my coworkers saying at work, whatever I hear about the talking heads say on TV, or whatever I hear about an anonymous egg that says on his account on Twitter or on Instagram. I can live with this firm conviction that I know exactly where I'm going and I know exactly what's going to happen to me. And I can live and I can feel confident that I have the exact words that I can say to someone who is grieving, who is going through pain, to someone who is hurting. And I can live so confidently and with such a conviction that I know that I'm not going to be just a memory. I'm not just going to be a scholarship fund or I'm not just going to be a memorial. I know that I am going to live on past physical death and that I have a life to look forward to. And I want to start living that life now. And I can live this life in confidence, in faith. One of my friends is a vicar. He's doing what I'm doing up here. He's a vicar down in Georgia at a really great congregation down there, actually. And this past week, they experienced a really tremendous loss. One of their leaders of the congregation passed away. And while it's great for him and he gets to experience the joys of heaven, there's a lot of people who are left behind at that church reeling and disappointed because of it. His bishop or his pastor was away, so he was tasked with being the person to give the comfort and go to these, give some help to people who are grieving in these sessions. And a lot of people made the comment to him, hey, welcome to Vicar Year, huh? He said, well, this is what we live for. Because these are the moments where we know that he's transitioning into life with his Savior, and these are the moments where these comforts come in the best. What you guys are packed with is you don't have ammunition that kills, but you have words that give life. You have things that people want to hear. You have the words from Jesus that say, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live on past physical death. These words I told you you can take to the grave, they are not crazy, they're not radical. In some ways they are radical, countercultural. They're ones that you've heard before, but they mean everything to someone who needs to hear it the most. So take them to the grave. Amen.